This is Series 1, Episode 11 of Love, Words, and Poetry. The Hippie Twins, Love, and Marriage. The poem I'm about to read was published in Lynx Eye in spring of 1996. Classes in Life for Susan. We'd heard about the hippie twins. You told me you'd filled in the blanks on a test with the classified information that the president of the World Bank was God. But your five-year-old brother said God must be a fairy tale, too, when he found out about Santa Claus. We puzzled over that at the kitchen table, anchoring the nine of you and your mother, who sprinkled laughter like salt through the gabled house that whispered secret passageways. Perhaps in an alcove I'll find you. They said you were gone at 41 your light and laugh all spent. The rain slickens the mossy roof, olive and gray. The dark deepens, silence thickens. I think of your twin alone, your husband, your son, the siblings left in your entourage, and wonder how the World Bank president welcomed you home. This poem carries me back to the discovery and romance of my senior year in high school. I'd transferred from a private all-girls school to a public school for the first time since kindergarten. I met and fell in love with Wes there, but also made many new friends, including the hippie twins, Elizabeth and Susan, who had also transferred in and opened my eyes to different ways of looking at things, including answering a test question about who the president of the World Bank was with God. I kept in touch with them through Susan's death at 41 and Elizabeth's death much later. Classes in Life was written after Susan died, and her sister told me that it gave her a lot of comfort. The love letters I'll be reading are much longer than our usual letters, but they are filled with both the romance of falling in love that we experienced in high school and are plunging even more deeply into seeing who we were as a couple and why our couple relationship mattered so much. I'm going to start with Wes's letter this time, and it's interesting to note that where we began our letters at the beginning of this weekend, just writing Dear Vicki and Dear Wes, we changed later on to much more expressive salutations. In his letter, Wes wrote, My darling Vicki, I want to go on living because I know that I need you and that you need me and that a loving couple can bring more love and more good into the world than two loving individuals. Obviously, there are selfish reasons, too. I want to go on living because, by and large, I enjoy life. I feel that I have something to contribute to the world, that I want to continue experiencing you and our children. You know, in a way, I suppose I share a little bit of that feeling I know you have. 
that God has been good to me far beyond anything I ever deserved, giving me a loving wife, beautiful children, a good job, supportive friends. Like you, sometimes I feel as if I'm waiting for the boom to fall. Uh, Or like Job, just submit to testing to see whether my love for God could withstand adversity. But I do feel that God has given me you, that he meant something for us, that we were called to live our lives as a married couple. I think I have really benefited from this weekend because it has enabled me to think of us more as a couple, not just in terms of what do I need or how do I feel or what your problems are. This weekend has helped me to think in terms of us. The talk this morning has given me a theological perspective, which, while I knew of it intellectually, I never really felt. God meant something for us, not just for me or you. First of all, of course, we carry out his work of creation through our own family, passing on the faith, bringing into the world new individuals who can themselves love and live to bring God's message of love in Christ to their world. Even beyond our immediate family, I like the idea of us being called to set an example in our married life for others, not just other married couples, but young people, priests, etc. That's why I was excited with the idea last year of us teaching CCD as a couple. I don't know if it did any good, but I was kind of hoping that at least subconsciously the kids would benefit from seeing a loving married couple, not their parents. I want to go on living because there is just so much more good we can bring into the world. Maybe not in a spectacular sense, but in little ways, a little at a time. I have always felt that no matter how badly things were going for me personally, I always had you and our children too. And even when we seemed to be having a lot of problems, I never ever felt that things would be better if I never had you. I thought I would have a whole lot to say on this point, but I guess it all reduces to what we've been hearing this weekend, or really this morning, that I think that we are a part of God's plan and that I want to carry that through. Maybe in the remainder of the allotted time, I can touch some more on why I want to go on living with you. As I think I've expressed before, almost from the beginning of our relationship, I felt comfortable with you. I cannot imagine being married to anyone else. In a way, this weekend has been easy for me because I never felt any real barriers to our communication. I often wonder why it was that you were given to me when we were still so young. In the early years of our relationship, I kept wondering if there wasn't something else I should be looking for, something more I should be experiencing. Gradually, I came to realize that there wasn't, that we were made for each other and allowed to begin to experience each other earlier than many. Just the fact that my feelings for you are able to overcome my inbred reserve and make it so easy for me to participate in a weekend such as this is a sign to me that God made us for each other. All my love, always, Wes. In my letter, I wrote, My beloved Wes, 
I feel inadequate and overwhelmed, but also strengthened and uplifted starting this letter. I realized it was really a chance to become fully aware of my blessings, not in the trivial sense of a nice family house and car, but the things that are most important, which I often don't see or have trouble believing in. Most shattering is the realization that I am loved despite frequent difficulties in accepting that. Loved by God individually, by Jesus to the point of total sacrifice, and by the church, not as an abstraction or a mass attendee or a worker or a loyal supporter, but just for being me. And finally, but not least important, I know much more deeply that you love me more than I ever suspected. And by loving me, you have personalized and intensified all other loves I have felt and made me able to see the goodness and worth in myself. I cherish life because I'm starting to be willing to accept being loved, but also because I feel as if I have been given a second chance at life as if I were about to die and realized how little I have loved others and how selfishly, how I have begrudged things and time given to others, how I have been jealous of the way you love others and give your time to the church or to your family. I want to learn to love more, and I'm starting to think I can change, that it's not impossible, that my life doesn't have to be just a struggle to get by without offending God or other people too much, and I do have the capacity to love generously. That stirs up some very painful feelings, because that sort of change is really painful. It involves sacrifice of some feelings of controlling my own life, looking out for myself, thinking of myself first, resenting intrusions from others, risking being vulnerable. It frightens me because even this incredible weekend can't affect a change in layers of habits ground in over years and years. Yet I often got angry or annoyed when you would tell me no one's perfect or you can't expect to change overnight because then I would feel, well, what's the use trying if I can't be perfect? and can't be perfect right now with one act of the will. I want to be able to take each day, not as a sequence of tasks to be done, but as an opportunity to grow in love with you, with God, and with his people. Not to flaunt our sacramental love as a badge of superiority, but just to love each other, to enter more fully into the mystical body of Christ, and by loving unselfishly to add peace and harmony to our little corner of the world instead of inflicting criticism, division, and judgment on others. I think you know better than anyone how attracted I have always been to the idea of marriage as a sacrament, how the Pauline analogies of Christ, church, husband, wife, have always had a powerful romantic and literary appeal. Intellectually, we were both very aware of the importance of the church in our marriage and the reality of the sacramental union, but this morning for the first time, I really believed it in my heart, and I really accepted and loved the realization that our love is not just between us or even for our children, 
but for and with the church, the people of God, God's chosen ones, full of failings, sins, dissensions, and spots. But just as God washes us clean in the sacrament of penance, so you as my husband, my altar Christus, cleanse me through your love, help me to change, to love more, to want to give up my selfishness and all the other spots and stains I'm so aware of. I'm still afraid. Afraid I'll forget, slip back into smugness or complacency, selfishly making excuses for doing and having everything my way. Yet I don't want to stop still, clutch at this moment as if it's my last chance, freeze it in eternity. I want to go forward, to experience life, to have life more abundantly, and to go on growing with you to risk growing pains because I've learned how fruitful they can be, to risk failing the pain of knowing I've been intolerant or critical because I know you will help me to get up and try again, not correcting me as a teacher or superior, but enabling me simply by loving me, accepting my love even though it's imperfect and often tinged with selfishness. I want to go on living and being and struggling and occasionally winning with you simply because I love you more than anyone or anything in the world with all of me and because you love me and through you I have learned to love God and feel his love for me. I understand why we keep hearing about being special. We are. You and I together as one are really unique, really something else. We are a love in a way no one else can ever be, ever. And that doesn't make me feel superior, but humble. Because you came with me to this weekend, because you are willing to risk, to be uncertain, and to support me when I was terrified and wanted to run away from facing myself, or you, or us. You have also opened my eyes to the uniqueness and specialness of other people, other couples, to start seeing people not categorized in neat boxes or stereotypes, critical of differences, but to see other couples as gifts to each other, gifts to us, to see priests as both gifts to God and gifts to us, and not trivial gifts, but invaluable gifts. Yet I always come back to my first and most important gift, you. You in all you are, all you have been, all you are becoming, in all you are in oneness with me. I can never again feel really separate from you when I have seen how real our union is, not because we will it or think it's a nice idea or because we don't believe in divorce or just want to be together, but because we just are one a reality more solid and true than the pull of gravity or the existence of a mountain. God has made us one being, not just two people living side by side, just as truly, if mysteriously one, as the one body of Christ, a head and members, but one body, indivisible. So are we. It's really incredible. When I just thought of what I had written, My first impression was, oh, I hope he doesn't think I'm just being intellectual and theological. It's a risk of making you feel I'm writing an abstract thesis, but I'm pretty sure you know me well enough to know I'm speaking from my heart and soul, 
that I'm reaching, stretching to express things, feelings, thoughts I've never known before, and have to use words to express the ineffable and inexpressible. And because one of the languages we share is theology, and what a great gift that we do share it, it just seems natural to speak that way. And besides, I always like to think of you defending theology as not just as abstract intellectual system, but a way to express love and to love God. I've been thinking a lot of our church groups, how they helped us grow and ultimately led to this weekend. Remembering makes me feel very tender towards you, thinking of all the little things that make you the unique person I love and love more every day. And that makes me want to go on living and learning to love you even more, since I'll never know you completely. I'll always be be discovering more big and little things to love in you. I'll always have new opportunities and ways to show my love for you and to keep our love growing and inexhaustible. I'm so anxious for you to come up so I can feel secure again. I always feel a little nervous when I'm writing away from you. But then I remember how you hold me, show me your love, make me secure in your arms. You are so good, so loving. I guess I really haven't gone through all the reasons I have for wanting to go on living, wanting to love our girls and our new baby more, just feeling how glorious and amazing and exciting all of life is, wondering what other things God wants us to do. And just feeling like there are so many little joys I haven't really appreciated. Tiny pleasures that take me by surprise. Chances to grow and share and opportunities to be unselfish. And all of these are so much more meaningful and and important because I have you, because you love me and I love you and we are together. No matter what comes... I'll always love you. I'll always need you and want you and care for you and try to open myself to loving you more each moment of our life. Your wife and lover, Vicki. I'll close with a more recent poem that begins with reflecting on my horn lessons and ends with insights into love and marriage. Musicians Archery for Dirk. My horn teacher told me to aim high, and I imagined the bullseye above my line of sight, then thought of the curving architecture of the horn, shaped like a maze of a target, each note shot straight and clear, bolting through the slides like a toboggan down a snowy slope, adorned with the golden tone acquired in its journey. Devoted now to the unerring trajectory of a biblical arrow, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, piercing with hope, electrified like the conjugal union of husband and wife, the singular blessing not lost in the exile from Eden, nor washed away by the flood, but given for life. Flames for the hearth. Arrows on bowstrings, food for the journey, and wings. May you have a beautiful future filled with love, words, and poetry.